Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And despite having a four-game losing streak at midseason, and despite nearly blowing the largest lead in the 194-game history of the Packers versus the Bears, Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and the offense come through with another play for the ages down in Chicago to not only tie the Packers-Bears series for the first time since 1933, miraculously, this ragtag bunch of 2016 Green Bay Packers now control their own destiny for the playoffs, and I would not have believed that possible at uh, after leaving that game in Washington. Um, we were talking about realistic possibilities that Mike McCarthy or Ted Thompson may be fired or step down or resign, and we're making good cases for those, and now the Packers have gone on an absolute tear, and not only are those guys secure, the Packers might be going to the playoffs, and Aaron Rodgers has a legitimate shot at his third MVP. I can't believe it. Yeah, what a difference a few weeks makes. And it's just, I mean, even when we hear Aaron Rodgers say they think they can run the table, I mean, you and I and every realistic fan out there has to think, first off, there's absolutely no way that happens. And two, this team is just not good enough to win maybe even half the rest of their games. So to see a team, uh, I mean, you played kind of a bad team yesterday, and you, you snuck out by three points, whatever. You know, it still feels good. You've still won a few in a row, and you're you're right exactly where you need to be with two very winnable games in front of you. It's hard to believe. Yeah, yesterday was such a strange game, if we're going to boil it down to that. And uh, we'll get into all the particulars of uh, the potential for the playoffs and whatnot. But I feel like if they had stopped the Bears, like they would have driven down to the 35 and turned it over on downs and the Packers would have won 27-24, I wouldn't have felt as good about it as I do uh having happened what happened yesterday uh to have Aaron Rodgers do that uh, again it's fun because you beat the bears again with another devastating hail mary throw in their own building granted this time it wasn't quite as important to them uh definitely um you can make a case that it it might be that important to the packers um maybe 80% as important as that other one when it all is said and done but i feel so much better about this team now that they they blew a lead, which stinks, and we'll talk about that. They've done that a lot under these guys, but very rarely have they stolen it back in such a way that they did yesterday. And it went against everything that wasn't working for them earlier in the game. I, I said on uh, Twitter that, once again, Rodgers and McCarthy were playing NFL blitz ball, which drives me nuts. They seem to not understand that third and three only requires three yards in order for you to get additional downs. And then in the biggest play of the game on third and 11 with enough time for the Bears to win if you screw up, Aaron Rodgers throws the ball 60 yards in the air and hits Jordy Nelson perfectly in stride. <laughs> just, yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, of course you feel so much better about that because, I mean, if you just... I mean, I'm just absolutely giddy today. I mean, this is probably the best I've felt in a long time about the Packers, just based on the play of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the the defense giving up points, whatever. You expect that. I mean, you know that this is what this team is at this point. Whenever they need to make a stop, Dom Capers' defense is going to completely vanish and allow the other team to get whatever they want. So you know if you're in a playoff game, you're going to have to have Aaron Rodgers do stuff like that. Um and I mean, anytime you can get a magical moment like that as a Packer fan or a fan of any team, those are few and far between, and we always seem to have them against the Bears. Yeah. And um, I, 
I, I, it probably actually honestly means more to the Bears to lose that game, to be, to be realistic. I mean, they're they're aiming for a top draft pick and a quarterback, so I get that it doesn't mean that much to them, but they sure played their hearts out, and it was a great game. And to be able to end on that note and then make the field goal was just awesome. Yeah, and you said you're giddy today, and I, I certainly am too about the ending, and it was exciting, but it, it was pretty taxing to get there, and I, I certainly don't feel personally as good as I did last week beating the tar out of Seattle. Um, because that really changed it for me. Like, oh, they might hang on and get a playoff spot, whereas beating Seattle so decisively, it makes you feel like, wow, if they did get in, they do have the potential to perhaps do more. Um, but you brought up the, the legendary moment in the folklore, and I was thinking about this today and trying to analyze this game, and in all likelihood, this season is headed nowhere. I mean, they, they have a really good chance now of going to the playoffs, but in all likelihood, it's just going to end with another playoff loss like all of these seasons do. But then you have moments like yesterday, and you get to break the backs and the hearts of the Bears again. And for me, Rodgers is now getting up into that Favre level where he has so many of these folklore-type moments that you're going to tell young fans about someday that didn't get to see him play. And Favre had so many of those, and Rodgers is accumulating so many of those. And you don't have to trade one for the other, but you wonder, this is just me as a fan spitballing here, like, how many of those moments are worth a championship? Like, I, I'm i sure to Patriots fans, they have their own, but you think of just the methodical way that Tom Brady wins so many games, and yeah, I'd rather have four Super Bowls, but it's not like it's one Super Bowl and the rest of the seasons were worthless. I mean... How many of those last-second Favre touchdown passes or that game against the Raiders or Rodgers throwing it to Cobb or Rodgers yesterday, how many of those would you give up for another championship? Because I, I know you can have both, but y- you know you could be stuck with, I don't know, Drew Brees, who doesn't seem to do these kind of things. He just throws a lot of touchdown passes and won one Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a good question. I think most fans would say you'd give up almost all of them for another championship. But, I mean, really, I, this is kind of what gives you that buy-in as a fan. And I guess that's why I would say before, you know, like I said, I'm so giddy today is because, yeah, that Seattle win last week was, was much better, a much better win than this. But you get to see another week of Rodgers just playing lights out, hitting every throw. And if it weren't for multiple drops, would have put up an insane stat line and it hits a big throw at the end to win the game. And we're seeing, you know, 2014 and before Aaron Rodgers back again, which is why I'm just so absolutely excited about this team even if like you said you know they're not likely going to go to win a championship they may but it's you know odds are against that and you don't trust the defense to do enough and what have you but yeah um yeah i i think generally speaking and it's, it's hard to really state it i mean yeah maybe you'd rather be a patriots fan over the last decade than a packer fan but obviously we wouldn't trade that for anything and it just it just makes you like these teams so much more, and it gives you the buy, and it gets you excited about the rest of the year. Um, you know, these next two games now, mid season, I was in a bit of a slump with the Packers too. It was hard to get mm-hmm. up for those games. Uh, you know, just like the Tennessee game where the Packers didn't show up, I didn't feel like showing up either. You know, and and now for for Vikings and Lions, everything's on the line. You you love what they just did and won a game in the clutch against their biggest rival, and you got two awesome games now. So. Um, yeah, I'm all in. I, I I don't know. That's an impossible question to answer, really. But I'll I'll take these moments. Well, and and yeah, I didn't expect a definitive answer because, yeah, I I mean, winning a championship is awesome. But you you think about what's a terrible example? Like, I don't know. Uh, 
the I don't I don't even know. You know, there's been so many teams that have won Super Bowls just with these lame runs to the Super Bowl, and it's awesome. I mean, we've won some. 1996 was probably an unremarkable year to anybody who wasn't in Green Bay. Well, yeah, I guess maybe at to that point, I mean, would you take, um, you know, when the Colts championship with Peyton Manning, the last one where it was, you know, quarterback play was kind of, eh, you win a kind of a sloppy Super Bowl, you play kind of poor through the the playoffs, your regular season was uneventful, or do you take, you know, like say somebody, you can probably pick somebody better, like the 2010 Packers or even the 96 Packers where you get a Desmond Howard return, an Andre Risen bomb touchdown in the end zone, you know, mm-hmm. just any number of those teams, it's just got to feel a little more exciting. I don't think the Colts would obviously would say it doesn't matter, but um, I, I take one of those fun championships and a fun team that has a bunch of those moments throughout the year that you can look and just reflect on everything so positively. Well, absolutely, and it's easy to say that when you actually have a championship in the bank. I'm sure San Diego Chargers fans are like, I would love to win a Super Bowl winning 13-3 to four times. But I guess maybe the larger point that I'm trying to get at is we have said this on this show, Packer fans say this constantly, that they're wasting Aaron Rodgers, or they wasted Brett Favre, or whatnot. And I guess if it's all or nothing with championships, that's kind of that's a hard standard to meet. And I guess my whole point is having games like yesterday and, and maybe getting a little older and having seen more stuff where I don't think the la- I don't find the last half of Brett Favre's career to be a waste. There were still so many fun moments that made me really glad to have watched the games. And think of 2013. Like 2013 was you look in the history book someday and it'll be they lost. They were 8-7 and 1. And they lost their first playoff game. But those the two games in that season, beating Dallas and beating the Bears, are two of the greatest experiences I've ever had as a sports fan. And to, if you would subtract those two games from my memory in exchange for a Super Bowl championship, I'm not sure I would take that trade. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would probably argue the other. But, I, I mean, it's, it's impossible to really say, I guess. A, a championship's like... Uh, the apex of how you feel at a championship is like a hundred times those even still too though I, I think those moments are always great but I there's championships unlike anything well yeah and it, it depends on the title if you give me the Eli Manning Super Bowl 42 title I'll take that but if you're gonna give me the Super Bowl 40 Pittsburgh title after <laughs> I mean maybe maybe not but I don't know it's just a fun I guess my grand huge point is that days like yesterday are why you're a sports fan and you hang in there even though you're hopeless about the potential of your team winning a championship and and luckily this team isn't that but um, yesterday was a lot of fun and that's why you stick through when they blow a huge lead against a three and ten team. Um, speaking of the, the Bears, so this I wanted to talk about, uh, talked about it a little bit at the beginning. The Packers Bears series is now 94, 94, and 6, and it is the first time since the Packers lost to the Bears in October of 1933, uh, that this series was tied. Um, at the time it was, I believe, 11 and 11 and 4 is what the series was the last time this was tied. Um, and to give some perspective here, really, it's changed in recent years, but they had to do some ridiculously lopsided winning in order to catch back up. When Mike Holmgren took the job, the series was in favor of the Bears 81, or I'm sorry, 80 to 57 to 6. Um, after Holmgren lost his first game to the Bears, uh, from that moment on, the Packers won 21 of the next 26 games in this meeting, and uh, Holmgren was 20, or I'm sorry, 12 and two against the Bears, 
Mike Sherman carried that on. He was eight and four. Uh, McCarthy is sixteen and seven against the Bears. Um, Aaron Rodgers in the games he's played in is fifteen and four all time against the Bears. And it's strange to the point that it's tied now because for people our age, the Packers have been so dominant for so long against Chicago that it seems unreal that they could have ever been down by twenty three games in this series because. They've just dominated it to the point where at times it didn't even feel like a rivalry. Um, but looking back and fans that are maybe a generation older than us when the Packers were five and 15 against Mike Ditka and, and those Bears, uh, it's got to be something special for those folks. And it's something special for uh, stat geeks like me. Yeah, it is pretty incredible. And that's the kind of lead that the Bears had, you know, by 92 that you would think would never probably get changed around because that's such a significant lead at that point I mean you were going to have to have two plus decades of just absolute dominance and that's what we've had and Mm -hmm. I agree I mean even for us I mean we remember the Bears being pretty good in the early 90s but other than a year here and there I mean they've been overall probably like our least competitive division foe um, over the time I mean Detroit's even had a little bit more sustained success it feels like and just not like a championship run in there like the Bears had so it's Mm -hmm. the Vikings have definitely been our biggest rival over the last two decades so it's the rivalry does seems diminished for sure and I'm sure eventually you know in, in 10 years things will probably switch around but it's been been fun to watch to have a team that's considered your biggest rival that we get to watch just destroy um, game in and game out every single year and every single time they play almost. Yeah, it's really fun for bragging rights, but I guess from the statistical standpoint, to me, it's just amazing that they were able to make up a 23-game deficit in 25 seasons. I mean, that's incredible. That is nuts. I mean, you could see them catching up, but it taking... 50 years or whatever. I mean, that's just crazy. And I think either they just took the lead or they just tied um, in the Badgers-Gophers rivalry this year, and it took them winning 14 or 15 straight in order to, to catch up. So things are going good for our Wisconsin football teams against their biggest rivals. Um, looking back at the statistics, the biggest culprits that led to that ginormous deficit, uh, Forrest Gregg was 1-7 against the Bears. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, Lindy Infante was two and six. Uh, Randy Wright was one and six as the quarterback, and uh, Lynn Dickey and David Whitehurst, who were uh, injured quite a bit, uh, but uh, split time basically as the Packers combined full time starter for about a decade, were a combined five and thirteen against the Bears. So those are nice. the guys to blame. Yeah. Uh, Don Mikowski actually four and five though against Ditka's Bears, so he got all four of the wins against. Uh, um, that that can't be right. What am I looking at here? Four and five. <laughs> he won twice, I think. Whatever. Um, that number's wrong. I think I forgot to. Uh, I walked up my formula on that one. Okay, so the Bears are history. Uh, but let's talk about what else we saw yesterday. And it's easy to get caught up as we have in the exciting conclusion to yesterday's game. But what was a relatively routine-looking win became that. And an opportunity for an exciting, memorable win because the defense completely went into uh, nonchalant prevent mode and made the Bears look like the 99 Rams for the final quarter and uh, nearly gave this game away. How concerned are you about that going forward? Um, I mean, you have to be concerned, but again, as I kind of prefaced earlier, I don't think that this is anything new, and this is what this defense has been for the last decade, and it's what it's going to be. I, I just... I don't think if you, you get anything different, I, I, 
not only from Dom Capers, but from a secondary that I guess you could say is banged up. I mean, you really are only missing Sam Shields, but Rollins and Randall have been so up and down. Um, it's just, it's hard to expect anything more. So, I, yeah, I'm concerned. They're, it's it's a problem, and it's going to be a problem in the playoffs, but it's to me, it's it's not a concern because you already know it's there, I guess. Um, you're just going to have to overcome it somehow. Yeah, I feel less confident about this team's potential to go on a 2010-esque run this week than I did last week. Seeing, I know they gave, they, they really stopped playing after they went up 27-10, to 10, but there are still some alarming signs. Demarius Randall was pulled for a reason that Mike McCarthy didn't want to describe that could be a hidden injury, but it could be for a, a number of different things, but... Quentin Rollins looks like a basketball player out there. I mean, it looks like a guy who hasn't played a lot of football. And the thing that's frustrating about that is, I don't. Did Alshon Jeffrey have to catch the ball on thirty straight plays before Dom would have considered giving him some help right. out there? And these guys are nearing the end of their second season. And because of what Devonte Adams has done this year, I'm definitely not throwing in the towel on them by any means. But for 2016's purposes, they have a history of this. They've blown fourth quarter leads in each of the last three seasons uh, when they lost in the playoffs. They had a small fourth quarter lead against San Francisco. They had a huge fourth quarter lead against Seattle, and they had a pretty they they had a small lead, but they were in control of the game against Arizona last year, and they lost all three games, um, all on the last play. But they lost all three, and to have them blow a lead like that on the road against the Bears, I know the conditions were poor. I know it was a team you probably thought you had beaten, but if you do that on the road against a good team, you're going to lose. And they've done that each of the last three years, and they almost did that yesterday. And I have a hard time believing. Um, that they wouldn't do it again if given the opportunity uh, up big at Dallas or up big at Seattle or whoever in the playoffs. Yeah, I think we have a large enough sample size at this point to say that they will do that. <laughs> I, I don't think it's much of a question. I mean, if you have you know, four playoff games, which they'll have to have if they're planning on winning a championship, it's going to happen at some point, obviously. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you just have to do what they did yesterday, I guess, and overcome it. I mean, this secondary isn't very good at times this the weird dom zone defense that they've been running especially in in big games and postseason games it feels like like you said when with games on the line and thinking back to you know that arizona game in, in 09 and and all these games since then where it just feels like nobody's covering anybody out there when it matters mm-hmm. um I, there's no reason to believe at this point that this isn't going to happen again <laughs> well it's like they concede the first 15 yards whenever yeah. they have a lead it's really weird and maybe the fact that this happened will be a little bit of a wake-up call and they'll keep their foot on the gas like they did against Seattle because they certainly didn't let Seattle have bunches and bunches of free yards. They really clamped down and kept moving. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in that, and you should. It should be concerning. But then on the flip side, they were also a defense that when the game was tight and the offense was failing to capitalize on a lot of their opportunities, forced a turnover on four straight drives and gave them an opportunity to build a 27-10 lead. So I don't know. It's really frustrating. But uh, well, I guess they are what they are. They're going to have to just try to make it work. And they have been making it work. They've won four straight. So um, ho- yep. hopefully that can continue. Ty Montgomery uh, 
had the most yards of any running back in the NFL yesterday, and he's a wide receiver. He ha- what uh, was the stat line? I don't have it in front of me. I ex- yeah, sixteen ex- carries, one hundred sixty-two yards for over ten yards a carry, two touchdowns. That is crazy, and he was spamming every N sixty-four Madden move known to man yesterday, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. And none of it, it worked too. Like yeah. I, I can't remember. I mean, all out of the shotgun. The He's showing the kind of agility moves, like you said, like almost video game, like that really only you see from like Shady McCoy. This is a guy who doesn't do this very often, and he was. It's it's strange how well he's acclimated in these moves, these stiff arms, these spin moves. All these things are just working, and he just every time he gets initial contact, it looked like he, it looked like he was going down after one or two yards, and he gets nine every single time. Yeah. Or or busts a big one. He looked phenomenal yesterday, and we kind of talked about it last week if this is sustainable or not. But I I'm. I'm more sold this week for sure than I have been. Yeah, who is the last guy to have that effective of a stiff arm? Like, I can't remember the last guy who's just stiff arming everybody over and over. And I'm sure there's somebody, but in one game, just stiff arming 10 people? Like, it was nuts. Yeah, I, I mean, he looked like, uh, what was that, 2012 Adrian Peterson, the year that he had 2,000 yards or whatever. I, I remember yeah. him doing that a lot, too. He, he kind of ran like AP yesterday at his prime. It was phenomenal it would have been nice to almost see him just for a game and you don't want to wear him down but just to see how a guy like that handles like 25 to 30 carries just to see what kind of stat line he could have put up and how he handled that yeah and I think they did well because of uh, they still don't want to give him a full workload because he is a wide receiver has been for the recent past but then when they spell him Christian Michael comes in and runs for a 42 yard touchdown mm-hmm. I mean that offensive line pass protection run blocking has been phenomenal uh this last month for sure yeah, and I, the, obviously they've been great, but I, I think both of these runners, compared to what we've seen, I, I mean, Eddie Lacy's had flashes, but it just is inspired running. I mean, they're still sometimes getting hit after a yard or two, like I said, but Kristen Michael showed an incredible burst. I mean, mm-hmm. just flying through the holes like that, and then Montgomery, when he gets hit, just doesn't go down. It's just, I feel like we haven't seen this with a, you know, a, prodding slow Starks the last couple of years and an yeah. overweight Eddie Lacy. We just we haven't been lucky enough to see this. It almost feels like a few years ago when it seemed like no matter who they threw back there, Dewan Harris or Eddie Lacy or whoever was just getting chunks. Yeah, and Kristen Michael's a really impressive guy for a dude who runs like a middle school fullback. Always, always holding on to the ball with both hands. It's still, it's funny to watch. I don't know why yeah, that yeah. happened. Double cradle, just like head down straight forward, with just <laughs> runs super fast through the hole. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. So hopefully that one-two punch can continue. And uh, what do you think of the prospect of Ty Montgomery becoming a permanent running back next year? Yeah, I, I'm definitely open to it. I think whether you keep Kristen Michael as your second guy or you sign Eddie Lacy to a short-term deal, I think you have to give him the the opportunity to get your bulk of carries at this point. Um, I think you bring in another guy, obviously, to, to spell him with a different running style, but I'm definitely open to that. I mean, it, what's the worst case that happens? He doesn't end up being a great running back. You can throw him back at receiver. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's definitely the option you have to go. This is the best we've seen a running back look in Green Bay since, you know, I don't want to go back all the way to Amon Green. There's been some pretty good performers since then, and Eddie Lacy's been good, but and it's such a small sample size, but it's been great so far. Yeah, it's been good. I, I'm not ready to say he's 2013 Eddie Lacy or Ryan Grant yeah. or anything like that yet. But Yeah, don't forget about Ryan Grant. That's right. Yeah. But I, I think if you got Eddie Lacy back in a short-term deal, the three of them could be a really effective backfield. And it would be cheap, too, in, in all likelihood. All right, so hopefully that can continue. And for three quarters, the Packers played pretty well. Um, in the first half, I still um, I think Aaron was trying to get acclimated to the weather and... 
it, it always bugs me when you hear announcers because they're so um they're they're national announcers and so they talk authoritatively and with confidence but it's clear they don't really know much about the teams and so they're always like wow look at Aaron Rodgers holding the ball normally he'd run there I'm like have you ever watched Aaron Rodgers he eats sacks all the time even when he's feeling great uh but I, the Burkhart uh John Lynch team is actually one of my favorites I think they do a pretty good job yeah that was pretty good yesterday Speaking of announcers, I just wanted to mention this, that we always were big fans of the NFL yearbooks, and uh, the, those always feature the radio announcers, and I think in Green Bay we're spoiled that we probably have the best play-by-play radio guy in the business, and then Wayne Larravee, who's, or I'm sorry, and uh, Larry McCarron, who's just a, a good analyst, but he's also the most satisfying homer to listen to ever. But they were showing a bunch of different highlights of other teams on like uh, Fox NFL Sunday or something, and... I there's a lot of them that I don't mind or whatever. I everybody has a fun with Paul Allen and how depressed he gets when the Vikings are not doing well. But I just realized how much I dislike the Seahawks announcer, and I don't even know his name. But they were playing some highlights, and every single thing was almost in like you couldn't even understand what he was saying. It would just be Russell, and they showed like six of these, like I was supposed to know what was happening, and it was just the worst. I hated it. It was worse than the yeah. rock and roll Houston Texans guy. Wayne Larravee's the absolute best at that, too, because he gets excited, but, I mean, he always keeps his composure. He goes ahead and lets, you know, Larry do the, the screaming in the background. He can run around in the booth, but Wayne always keeps his composure. Even when he's excited and yelling dagger and whatever, he always keeps his composure. I agree. I think you've heard a lot, and obviously we're biased as Packer fans, but I think he's the best there is. And we're lucky, too, with a guy like Matt LaPay for the Badgers. Oh, I mean, yeah. We're just absolutely spoiled with our play-by-play guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I forgot about LePay. LePay is awesome, and you can't forget about Uke down in Milwaukee doing the Brewer games yeah. for such a a state that really, you know, it's not New York or, or Los Angeles or something to have had all of these guys for so long. It's just awesome. All right, you mentioned that the Packers are going to have to win four playoff games, and there's a small possibility that the Packers could be the number two seed. I was playing around with all of the different playoff scenarios, and if they were to win the division with a 10-6 and record, the Buccaneers win the division with a 10-6 and record, and Seattle loses at home to the Cardinals, and then at the 49ers, the Packers <laughs> would be the two seed. I don't think that, that last one I don't think is going to happen. No, you don't think so? Yeah, I, I doubt it. But it is interesting that they still have that possibility there. Um, a lot of the playoff generators are having a really hard time with the Packers and Buccaneers because right now they're even in just about everything. They have the same conference record. They have the same record in conference games. Um, I think their strength of schedule is similar, or strength of schedule is further down. So the tiebreaker that would determine who had the advantage there is strength of victory, which is the combined record of the teams you've beaten. And obviously that can't be determined until the end of the season, but it's looking good for the Packers in that Tampa Bay has the Saints and the Panthers left, and the Packers have the Vikings and the Lions left. So either way, the Packers are going to beat two teams that are likely going to have a better combined record than the two teams that Tampa would play. So there's a pretty decent chance that the Packers, if they were, if the winner of the NFC South was a ten and six Tampa team that the Packers would be the three seed and probably play Detroit two weeks in a row. Okay, but then if Atlanta were ten and six, I'm assuming they'd have the tiebreaker then. Correct, because of the head to head. Right. Um, but here are the actual. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that game. Yeah, it, it feels like an eternity ago. Doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> 
here are the actual big time scenarios. If the Packers win two games, they're the NFC North division champs no matter what. If they lose to Minnesota and Detroit loses to Dallas, then the winner of Detroit and Green Bay would still win the division over a 9 and 7 Minnesota team because of Minnesota's abysmal division record. If the Packers lose to Minnesota and Detroit beats Dallas, Detroit would clinch the NFC North before week 17. And if the Packers would finish 7-9 and nine and not win the division, they could still make the playoffs, but it would be really difficult. They would need Tampa to lose both of the remaining games, and they would need Washington to lose two of three. Uh, Washington plays tonight, so they would need Washington to lose two of three, and then in all likelihood, they would be... Uh, they would leapfrog Min- well, and then it depends on if they beat Minnesota and what all that. So nine and seven is still possible, but not likely. Um, really, the only road to the playoffs for the Packers is to win the next two. Right. Do you think that uh, is going to happen? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I, I like their odds. I, I, you have to at this point. I, at least you, after what you've seen from Minnesota lately and getting the exclamation point on that yesterday, you feel pretty good about next week. That Lions game is going to be a heck of a game, though. It's it's hard to pick that one right now because I, it's got to feel like a split. It's in Detroit, which you wish you had it at home, but I mean that one's basically a toss-up. I, I guess you at least like that it comes down to the last moment of the season. You get to decide it, and maybe in the meantime we can just root against Tampa and, and Washington and everything. But yeah, I, I guess I'd pick them to be able to do it at this point, but that Lions game is going to be brutal. Yeah, I think they'll beat Minnesota, but I... Don't know if I would pick the Packers to beat Detroit right now. Uh, it makes me feel better. That you, you feel bad for saying that, but the fact that Matt Stafford is injured because he's really all they have, but he's tough to beat at home, and Detroit is going to be so motivated, as we talked on earlier shows, because of what has happened between these two teams recently and uh, with last year, have losing on a Hail Mary at home in a game you really should have won. Um, Detroit is going to be playing their best, absolutely. So I'm definitely afraid that Detroit is going to be playing their absolute best. But on the Packers' end of this, they're going to be coming to Ford Field, having played in the snow, then in the cold after having a snowstorm the day before, then playing in zero-degree weather, and then playing Minnesota in probably 20-degree weather. Once they get indoors, it's going to feel great. They're going to probably blow the doors off yeah, that you place. Would hope so. <laughs> yeah, you would you think so. Offense sh- should seem easy at that point. Yeah, you would think so. And uh, with yesterday, I shared it. I don't know if I sent it to you in a text, but I I uh, shared it on the Green and Gold Forever Twitter that uh, Devonte Adams was very self-critical yesterday and said, "Great win by the Packers, but a real." Um, Bleeping day by Devonte Adams. Hopefully he'll play better next week or something to that degree. So um, he had a rough one yesterday, but I, I guess I'm not too worried about him. Yeah, same here. I mean, you hate the flashbacks to, to last year, Devonte, but with how much we've seen this year, he's got a little cash in the bank for me. So I, I feel okay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, probably the best game I can ever remember seeing for a guy with 250 yards and no touchdowns. For sure. But he should have had two there, and then Jordy drops a couple of long ones. I, I'm pretty confident. I mean, you've got the cold and, and whatever else. I'm, I'm not too worried about it being something we see again. Yeah, I would agree, and I think the way he's played recently, they wouldn't have scored in November without him, seemingly, so right. I think he gets a little bit of a, a break. Jordy Nelson yesterday went over 1,000 yards. He still leads the NFL in touchdowns. He's now 82 catches, 137 yards receiving. He's got to be comeback player of the year, right? 
Yeah, I would sure think so. It, it, he's doing it so quietly, too. It seems like nobody's talking about it or giving him credit. But, I mean, to lead the NFL in touchdowns, I think still at this point, and to put up those yep. kind of numbers, I mean, is incredible. Well, and for for me personally, Jordy's been one of my favorite players to watch, and he's got local TV shows, so you got to kind of get to know him a little bit, and you see how good of a guy he is. And being a almost 30-year-old guy, tearing your ACL at wide receiver, you he was so dynamic and so fun to watch. You just wonder if that's ever going to come back. And maybe he's not 2011 Jordy or 2014, but he's still really close to the same guy. And to see him catching long passes and going over 1,000 yards is just satisfying as a fan who, after that game in the preseason of 2015, wondered if we'd ever see him again. Right, and it, it's making me feel good about his future even still, too, because he doesn't have... He's got enough speed to still beat guys deep, I guess. We saw that yesterday, but he, you can just tell he doesn't have quite the explosiveness or the speed, but just he still has that cunning ability with his route running and positioning and things that you feel like he could do this for a long time still with his current you know, his, his current skill set. He could even put on a little weight and be a tight end for another 10 years or something. <laughs> I mean, he's so good at you know running the routes and making the plays out there and putting his body in the right position to make every single catch. It's been awesome to watch and even if he's not as good in some areas it almost feels like he's gotten better in others yeah and I think his speed is improving as the year is going by it whether that's confidence or or just his body feeling better but I think um he I think he could get close to where he still maybe got a couple more years of beating guys deep John Lynch said something yesterday about I think Rodgers and, and Nelson are tied with Farvin Freeman for the most touchdowns uh, between the two it's yes. it, and he said something like, wow, I can't believe they've done that. They've, they hardly seem to have played together. And Favre and Freeman played forever. And kind of going to what you said about Jordy Nelson quietly doing this, this is his and Rogers' seventh, or I'm sorry, eighth season together. <laughs> and Freeman and Favre only played seven years together. And one of those was in 1995 where Freeman only had eight catches and was barely a part of the offense. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing when he said that. I was like, maybe that's just hindsight for him because I feel like, you know, I feel like Jordy and Rodgers have been more of a staple than and Freeman and Favre ever were, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, especially the success, like you said, I mean, Freeman really boomed for a few years, but Jordy is basically since year two until through now, other than the injury, has been pretty much elite the whole time. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so uh, let's transition out of this game. And um, oh, one more thing about this game. I glossed over it before. Um, lots of talk now about Aaron Rodgers being the favorite for the MVP award. And how do you feel about that? Yeah, I guess I haven't heard any of that, but I'll take it. I, I don't know how you can argue much about that right now because everybody pretty much that has been talked about has sort of fallen off a little bit. I think... You know, Dak was a big guy in that. Um, he's sort of fallen off. I mean, you could maybe still see uh, Zeke Elliott getting some votes, or Matt Ryan's still playing pretty well, but, like, Matt Stafford's gone. Dak Prescott's gone. They've been not very good the last few weeks. And it's it's always the guy who puts up the stats and does it at the end of the year, and right now that's been, you know, exactly what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Yeah, and Tom Brady still is. Yeah, that's a tough he, he, he still has no interceptions, I believe, right? No, he's got two. 22 touchdowns, two interceptions, which, okay. which is nuts. But to yeah. me, he was suspended. They won three games without him, um, if you're talking most valuable player. And games like yesterday, I know Denver's really good, and he played well against the Ravens the week before, but he hasn't been that great lately. And I think it's clear when Gronk is not in the lineup that 
Tom Brady is still really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But he has a lot of help. And, and Gronk is such a unique matchup that it makes a lot of guys better than they actually are. And when they're left by themselves, it's not quite the same. And so if they gave it to Brady, I'd be absolutely fine with it. But I think, um, admittedly, biasly, I, I would give it to Rodgers at this point. Yep. Provided yeah, they go I, to the playoffs. He gets a Vikings defense that everybody thought was so good that Andrew Luck and their offense, which has been so bad this year, just absolutely torched yesterday. So maybe he can pad the stats a little bit. Yeah, that was incredible. That They just kept hitting bombs. Every time I would look up at the, the red zone and, and that game, they were just hitting another bomb over the top. And who would have thought that? So let's talk about that Viking game real quick. Um, here's a thing I wanted to uh, I researched to, to talk about on this podcast. So uh, the Vikings... They've fallen off, really, because of turnovers, in my opinion. Their offense has been pretty bad the whole way, but they had 12 turnovers forced. Why can't I talk? Turnovers forced. (laughs) Turnovers. What was I saying? Anyways, 12 turnovers forced in their 5-0 start. They've only forced 10 in the nine games since. So that's a really big difference. You go from forcing almost three a game to forcing less than one a game. So that can be a big difference. But here's the fun part. So the Packers are going on a run. They're having a really good shot at going to the playoffs. Since the NFL-AFL merger, 78 teams have started the season 5-0 and or better. 71 of those 78 have made the playoffs. That's 91%. So only seven have missed the playoffs out of the 78 who started 5-0 and or better. The Vikings are in serious jeopardy of doing that and becoming the eighth team to miss the playoffs after starting 5-0. and And the fun part is they'd be the first franchise to do it twice because nice. <laughs> their 6-0 team in 2003 finished 9-7 and and missed the playoffs as well, thanks to Nate Poole. Awesome. So uh, that's fun for the Vikings. And for the Packers on the flip side, just to rub more uh, salt into the wounds of the Packers division rivals as they dread a championship again for the Packers, since the AFL-NFL merger, 535 teams have had a four-game losing streak or longer in the season. Just 25 of those, less than 5%, have made the playoffs, and the Packers are on the cusp of doing just that. Great. That's awesome. Um, unfortunately, though, those teams, of them, tw- of those 25 that made the playoffs, just six of those actually won one playoff game. So if you lose four games in the middle of the season, the odds are that there's some serious problems that are <laughs> preventing you from being great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I just thought I'd throw out some of those fun stats. Um, so let's talk about that Viking game. It's on Christmas Eve, which is fun. A full slate of Christmas Eve football, I think for the first time since 2011. And uh, I've been looking forward to this game all year. And when they were really bad, I was just hoping that somehow the Packers weren't mathematically eliminated by the time this game came because I think it would be really fun on Christmas Eve to watch a meaningful game. And they've at least done that. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, you can't ask for much better, and this is the first time since, what, 04, I think, that we've had this? Um, The Packers haven't played on Christmas Eve since 04, but the NFL played on Christmas Eve in 05 and 06 and 2011. But the Packers always either played on Christmas Day or uh, played some other time. And that was a super frustrating game against the Vikings, too, but but it was a win nonetheless. We could feel much the same, I think, this Saturday, probably. Yeah. Yeah. just remember Nate Burleson to- torching him the whole time and 
um, but you still get a win and you made the playoffs. That man, it's weird how much maybe the, that 04 team parallels this team a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it just you might sneak into the playoffs and you might face a division foe in the first round, and it just you just feel the team's not that good. But um, it would be still uh, you know a nice Christmas gift for everybody. If I remember correctly, that game was. The Packers and Vikings both had terrible defenses and great offenses. And I think they were 0-0 after the first quarter. And then it was 21-17 Vikings at halftime. (laughs) And the Vikings had only run three plays in the second quarter. All were touchdowns. And then the Packers would respond with methodical drives to score points. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think of that same scenario where they potentially would beat Detroit and win the division and have to play Detroit again, I'm much less afraid of this Detroit team than I was of that high-powered Vikings offense. Oh, for sure. There's no question. I mean, that that Vikings offense was still, um, I mean, sort of the leftovers from when they were the best, one of the best we've ever seen for a couple of years. But, I mean, that that Culpepper team and and offense was really, really good. And uh, I don't feel the same way about this Detroit offense or defense. There's not much you're afraid of, so I think you feel a lot better. Yeah, definitely. Um, just to talk about uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day football. There's a lot of that coming on. Um, I guess two questions. One, what do you do? You like the NFL around Christmas on those holidays, and would you ever consider attending one of those games in person? Oh, um, you know, I guess I I would generally say I'd prefer for it not to be on Christmas and Christmas Eve. I think. You know, a football day is is good enough in its own, and it, sometimes it's a nice combo, and it's it's good memories and stuff. But you've got so much else going on in Christmas that you kind of hate to put your focus on football for like the whole day. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess I prefer when it's not. I I guess with my current scheduling and so much Christmas stuff, I don't want to miss any of that. So I probably wouldn't want to attend it now, but I would definitely be. I would still be open to it. I would think that if you actually went to a game like that, you'd probably never forget it. Yeah, I'd be more inclined to go to like the Christmas night game than a noon game on Christmas Eve. Yeah, uh, just the way our family works and stuff. I, I've always had a, we've we've done a lot on Christmas Eve with our different families, and then you got Christmas morning, and by Christmas night, everybody's kind of done with, with a lot of stuff. Although this has changed now a, a lot. Now with my fiance's family, ends up on Christmas night, so um, it's yeah. I, I agree with you that. It It is kind of, I think I like it as a five-year thing. Like once every five years or once every four years, I think it's really cool, but every year would be too much. Right. All right, so let's talk about that upcoming Week 16 schedule, and we'll plow through our picks real quick here, and um, uh, then we have a few Facebook comments that we'll get to. So I type in Week 16, and it gives me Week 16 fetus, pregnant sim- uh, symptoms, pregnant belly, <laughs> ultrasound. I have to type NFL on there. What the heck? Okay, once if I ever have kids, once I get to Week 18, I'll have no idea what's going on because I haven't seen it on here. All right, uh, this coming Thursday, we have the Giants at the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles were officially eliminated yesterday when they tried to go for the win uh, after t- potentially tying the game and uh, not making it so uh, who do you got in this one? Oh man um hmm. uh i guess you got to stick with the giants in this one right i mean they've they keep winning and the eagles are are awful so i guess even though they're on the road i'll take the giants yeah i'm very tempted to take the eagles but i'm gonna have to agree with you what do you think about both um malarkey and doug peterson trying for the win uh instead of the tie yesterday and both failing well, I guess you'll have to fill me in. I didn't get to see the end of those first sets of games, so I, I didn't even see that. 
Well, what happened was the the Eagles had a comeback almost identical to the Bears, uh, but then they scored a touchdown to tie rather than kick a field goal, and they went for two instead of kicking the tying extra point and uh, went through an incomplete pass. And Peterson just kind of made it sound like he didn't think they could go down the field again in overtime and win, so that's why he did it. And uh, the Titans were down 16-17. They went for the tie, but there was three minutes left, so they were able to get the ball back and then kick a game-winning field goal. So theirs worked out, but it it's funny that I've been seeing a bunch of people almost talk up how good of a move that was and lambasting the Bears for tying it when the Bears really put themselves in much better shape than those other two teams did. Yeah, I, I guess if, if I'm malarkey, I probably don't pull the trigger on that. But if you're like Doug Peterson, why not? I mean, your team's out of the playoffs. One, it shows your team you're confident in them and you believe in them to get that done. And then two, if you miss it, you, you probably help your team out anyways. You get a better draft pick, you get an extra loss. So I think it, overall that's a win. But yeah. that's tough to do as a Titans team that's fighting for a playoff spot. But it, it still worked out for them. Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. That's pretty fair. I would agree with that. The Falcons at the Panthers. Uh, who you got? Um, I'm going to go, this is a tough one. I pick Carolina like every week. Um, I guess I'll go Falcons here. I I mean, it's in Carolina. You like the Panthers, but that defense is so porous. I could see Matt Ryan picking them apart. I feel like Carolina is going to lose all the rest of their games. And I think this next stretch here is we'll find out what kind of leader Cam Newton really is because they've been really on top of the world the last three years and they've gone to the playoffs all three times and, just the way he moped after losing the Super Bowl, and when they lost one game last year, he was all mopey and, and whatnot, and now they're eliminated with three games to go after being 15-1 and one and in the Super Bowl last year. Um, I have a feeling this team could self-destruct, and uh, I think the Falcons will beat them. The Dolphins at the Bills. Matt Moore threw four touchdown passes against the woeful Jets yesterday, on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I told you he'd do that. Did you? Um, I'm going to go... Ooh, this is... It could be actually kind of a fun game to watch. Are both of these teams still in it? The Bills are probably mathematically out at this point, I would think. I think they're in it, but they're an extreme long shot. They're like where the Vikings are at. I'm going to go with the Bills, though, here. I I still think they're a decent team. They're at home. I'm still not buying Miami, especially if Matt Moore has to play again. I doubt he's going to do that two weeks in a row. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Um, Although Buffalo could be a team trying to get their own coach fired, too. True. The Jets at the Patriots. Pats. Yeah, Patriots, no question. Washington at the Bears. Um, you were really high on uh, Matt Barkley, and we didn't get a chance to talk about him. So do you think he is potentially the quarterback of the future for Chicago? Yeah, I think potentially. I mean, why wouldn't you give a guy like that a shot? I mean, sure, you can draft somebody in the first or second round or whatever, but he's shown enough here. I think that you've you got to feel pretty good about him. He's shown a lot of heart. He's made a lot of big plays, and it's not like your franchise is beriddled with great quarterbacks throughout. I mean, if... If he plays like he's played over these last four weeks, you know, through a whole season, if you put a little better team around him, I think you've got yourself a pretty good player. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely get a backup plan, too, but I, I feel good moving on from Jay Cutler with that. Yeah. That's a lot of contingencies that you threw out there to make him be successful, though. To get, to get a good team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Uh, and I'm not going to pick them this week again, even though it's tempting. I think they're an okay team. They just can't seem to win, and Washington's still playing for a lot, so Redskins. Yeah, I I feel like this could be a really fun shootout, and I always bemoan them beaming these useless Bears and Lions and Vikings games to us late in the season, but this is one that I hope they send our way. Um, But they're not going to because the Packers play at the same time, so um, I guess Red Zone maybe. I'll have that on one of my other TVs. The Chargers at Browns. This is the Browns' last chance because they play at Pittsburgh the following week. Uh, Are they going to go 0-16? 
Yeah, and I might give them like a 30% chance to do this in this one. Not enough to pick them, but I, I, they're not going to do it next week. I think this is your chance. You've got a Chargers team that keeps blowing leads, and they have all year. They've got to feel down. They're out of the playoffs. They're on the road against a team they know they're going to beat. I, I'm very tempted again, but I've, I've only picked the Browns twice this year, I think, and obviously they lost both of those. I can't do it now. Yeah, and I feel like if there's one thing that can make a bad team going nowhere refocus is the chance to be the one team that loses to a historically bad Browns team. So I think the Chargers will actually be focused by that fact. And I thought the Browns' best chance to win was at home against Cincinnati in a rivalry game two weeks ago. Cincinnati is awful this year, and they destroyed the Browns. So I think that uh, San Diego will do much the same. The Titans at Jaguars. If... Tennessee, playing around with the playoff machine deals, if Tennessee loses to Jacksonville and Houston beats the Bengals, I believe Houston will clinch the AFC South before their uh, Week 17 showdown. Yeah, the stupid Jaguars giving up that game yesterday. I was was so excited when I saw Tennessee won, and then I also was like, wait a minute, what, Houston won? (laughs) It's it's just like, how did they Uh, do that? Yeah. Uh, Frustrating. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be Houston again, and now with an exciting Tom Savage at quarterback, too. Yeah, the macho Um, man, yep. Yeah, right. but I'll go Titans in this one. Uh, I'm going to Titans maybe just for wishful thinking because I do not want to see another playoff year with the Houston friggin' Texans playing at 3.30 on Saturday to start the playoffs. I, ugh. And with another terrible backup quarterback that all of a sudden is playing in Week 15. This just reminds me of T.J. Yates all over again. Yeah, and none of those games were any good. It just destroys your excitement for playoff football almost immediately. And so it would be the best uh, interest of the NFL to somehow rig these games to get the Tennessee Titans into the playoffs. Yeah, I'd be jacked to see Mariota in the playoffs. At least you kind of don't know what to expect you know you're going to get an awful loss by Houston if they make it somehow (laughs) exactly and I I think the Titans will beat Jacksonville Uh, Gus Bradley was fired immediately following that loss to Houston and still had to fly home on the team charter that had to be fun yikes yeah (laughs) yeah I I think he deserved it though I mean I can't I can't even understand what has happened to this team this year not I mean not that they're uber talented but after what you saw in flashes last year to just completely collapse like this this year and be just non-competitive in most of your games it's embarrassing yeah he was 14 and 48 and uh i heard on the radio this morning it's the worst winning percentage of any coach in the super bowl era that coached at least 50 games wow you might think that's not a an awful coaching gig for somebody to have you usually think jacksonville's like the basement of coaching jobs but they've still got some players i mean if you think that blake bortles is anything yeah and he was pretty good last year that's not a bad job that's exactly what I was going to say. If he's legitimately your franchise quarterback, they could be contending for this division next year. But if he's not, then you're a ways away again. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to be the tough one is if you're a new coach, we'll see if they get a new general manager. Do you pull the trigger at probably top three on a new quarterback? Yeah, that's really tough. Yeah. Well, who cares right now? Let's not talk anymore about the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> and their plight. The Colts at the Raiders. This could be a fun game. Yeah, nice. Uh, I'll go Raiders in this one. I, I The Colts are not as, they wouldn't, what, like every other week, they're not as good as they looked against Minnesota, so I think they'll lose this one. Yeah, I, I like that logic, so I'll go with that. The uh, Tampa Bay Bucks at the Saints. I'll pick first this time. Um, New Orleans' offense is still cooking, and um, Tampa going on the road after a really tough loss at Dallas. Tampa always plays well in the Superdome, but I feel like uh, I'll take a flyer on the Saints. Maybe wishful thinking. Yeah, I don't know. You say their offense is cooking. They looked amazing yesterday, but they scored like 20 points combined the two weeks before that. They're just such a weird team. I, I'm going to go Bucks here. I think they're just a better team. Yeah. Well, they were cooking yesterday. Maybe they'll keep yeah, cooking. Very, very much so. 
the Cardinals at Seahawks. The Cardinals were also cooking yesterday. Um, I think they yeah. will get cooked in Seattle, though. Yeah, I'm not buying that Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, the ooh, the Rams hosting the 49ers. <laughs> I think you have to pick against the Rams in every game now going forward. I'd, I'll, I'll reluctantly pick uh, the 49ers, I think. How bad has Jared Goff looked? He's just been abysmal. He can't even hit wide open receivers, and then he runs and gets plastered by Richard Sherman. He just looks terrible. Like Jeff Fisher is right; he shouldn't have played at all. He looks like he belongs in high school still. Yeah, and he got Jeff Fisher fired. Luckily for me, I guess I haven't seen hardly any Jared Goff. But yes, I've heard it's been bad, and obviously their offense has been miserable since he's been in there. I'm still going to take the Rams though, because if there's one cure for a terrible quarterback, it's that historically bad 49er defense. Yeah. And then the nightcap. Everybody's going to be drinking the eggnog. Maybe you got the Baileys out. Maybe a brandy old fashioned or two. And you're all going to sit around the fire or whatever. And I, I definitely think you're going to turn off the Christmas movies and the Christmas music to watch Bengals at Texans. <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine we probably won't even watch two seconds of this game. But oh. you never know. Uh, um, I'll go Cincy. It's tough to pick them anymore this year, but I just I think with Savage at quarterback for Houston, I think that they could put up some points, especially if AJ Green plays. Yeah, why not? Bengals. Uh, I hate this matchup. It just makes me think of that eleven and twelve playoffs when those yeah. just terrible, boring games. On Christmas Day, the Ravens at Steelers. Uh, I believe if the Steelers win, they're the AFC North champions. Oh man, I guess you got to go Pittsburgh here. I kind of like Baltimore lately, but. Yeah, uh, I just trust the Steelers more. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. The Ravens, every time they're like, it's weird. When they're in the playoffs, I kind of sigh because I'm tired of seeing them. But then when they're not in the playoffs, I kind of wish they were because they always play tough games. Um, I'll pick the Steelers as well. And when I mentioned before that only 25 of the 535 teams that had a four-game losing streak or more made the playoffs, uh, the Steelers had a four-game losing streak this year, so them and the Packers both could join that exclusive club of whatever prestige you want to put upon it. On the uh, Christmas night, the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs in a very important game for Denver. Yeah, and I think this could basically knock Denver out if they lose this one, correct? So I, yeah. Um, that offense, Trevor Simeon, that offensive line is just garbage. I, I've got to pick the Chiefs here. Uh, I will agree, although Kansas City has lost two games at home this year. Uh, it, it's really weird, but they play so close to everybody. You open yourself up to that opportunity when you're playing 20 to 14 every week. Uh, but I'll pick Kansas City as well. If Denver loses, and I, I think they'll likely be eliminated at that point, uh, depending on what happens on Saturday, but it will only be the fifth time in the Super Bowl era that both Super Bowl participants fail to make the playoffs the following year. Um, I, interestingly enough, it would be the third time featuring the Denver Broncos. Uh, in 88 and in 99, they failed to make the playoffs along with their NFC counterpart following a Super Bowl year. So, interesting. Yeah, 99 makes sense, but 88 was weird because that was Elway territory. So what, what happened then next year? The AFC was bad back then. You would have thought they would have made it every year. I guess I don't know. I think they were 8-8, eight and eight, and then Seattle won the division at 9-7. and seven. And then on the other side, they had a really big quarterback controversy with, I believe... It was Doug Williams and Mark Rippon, and then the, the Redskins went 7-9. and nine. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, that was the Boomer Esiason Bengals year when they were whooping up on any, everybody, sure. so who knows. And then on Monday night, the Lions at the Cowboys. So if the Packers lose, this would be Detroit's opportunity to win the division. If the Packers win, this becomes a meaningless game for the Lions, and they could almost rest Matt Stafford if they wanted to. 
Yeah, and thank goodness we get to see a Cowboys game for once, too. It's, oh, God, I've been great. looking forward to it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I'll go Cowboys here. Um, I'm just I'm still not buying Detroit. I think Dallas is pretty probably the best team in the NFC. I, I think they, they may even run up the score a little bit in this one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. And going to kind of the joke you had there, uh, I was talking to Jason Chastain, who's you know of a, in our family and he follows the show a lot. I was saying yesterday that every time the Cowboys get good, and these modern Cowboys, there really isn't much to hate about them. Jason Garrett's fine, and I like Dak. I like Dak in college. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's an exciting new rookie. And every time you kind of want to cheer for them, then all the pregame shows come out like Dallas is the only team in the entire league, and I just want them to go 4-12 and in perpetuity because I'm so tired of hearing about them. Yeah, I, I agree. And even like the couple of years Tony Romo's Cowboys were good, it's it's always the only thing you hear. And luckily, I, I listen to a little bit less of like that kind of sports talk or sports shows than I used to. So I guess it's not getting to me that much. But even in the limited amount I do, um, I mean that's that's part of the reason why I can only watch like listen to certain shows now because the other ones just regurgitate the same junk, and you just got to hear about the Cowboys constantly. Yeah. Um, and then it's not like they're a very exciting team right now. I mean, they're doing it all on the ground, and it's just whatever their defense. Meh. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, they're not a real exciting team. So if you get to just hear the same stuff about them all the time, it does get frustrating. In every primetime game, it feels like they're in it. Oh yeah, definitely. I I feel like I've seen twelve Dallas games every year for forever basically our whole football lives um and the one thing i did want to bring up about this that a lot of fans are talking about is the packers play at noon on saturday and then the lions play on monday night and wondering if that will play to the packers advantage that they get almost three days rest two and a half days rest over the lions and then a full day of game planning that the lions don't get yeah i'll definitely take that it's not like the lions can you know, take the luxury of not focusing on this Cowboys game at all. It, it, and I guess other than if the Packers lose, that's the only way. But they're still still not obviously going to take any focus off of that game. I, yeah. I think that's a big advantage, and I don't know if there's any chance. I mean, is that Detroit Packer game scheduled for noon the following Sunday, or can that get flexed at all? Yep, every game is uh, eligible to be flexed. So I would assume that if the Packers beat Minnesota, that that game will be flexed almost instantly. So yeah, I mean, Detroit will know by at, Monday if if they're playing right, Sunday night, right? Look, I mean, looking at the schedule, you've got Giants, Redskins, which could be pretty meaningful. Um, but other than that, Titans, last, Texans, Titans, yeah, Texans is the only other there's one. Not much. Yeah, Lions, Packers would be the primary game, I would think. You mean you don't want uh, Tom Savage in the uh, main event on Sunday night? I check that out and just if the the division is on the line for that, I will be rooting hardcore for that game. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you, yeah, I don't think the networks can protect a game either, so it's not like Fox could protect to make the Packers Lions as their three thirty game. But I can't imagine them taking an AFC South game over a Packer game with no, a division no title on the line. All right, and then Packers Vikings. Uh, we didn't pick that one yet. Uh, who you got in that one? Uh, definitely taking the Packers here. I, th- I think even if it's, it kind of reminds me of the game we just saw that even even if the Packers have a sort of a bad game and make a lot of mistakes, I just with the way Minnesota's playing, unless they all of a sudden instantly figure it out, I I can't foresee them winning this game. I'll go Packers. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. And as maybe concerning as it was to see the defense blow such a huge lead, I felt so much better about the prospects of the offense staying good uh, because Aaron Rodgers was so mobile on that injured leg. And mm-hmm. especially in that second half, he was running, he was trucking people. And so I think that injury might not be as bad as the 2014 one was. Right. 
Um, again, it's like freaking every. Why does so many guys injure muscles on this team? It's it's nuts. Yeah, and both legs for Rodgers too, which is a weird <laughs> thing. It's not even well, you can't even limp. You just can't you know can't even walk. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a rough place to be. Real quick before we wrap up, there was um, uh, well let's let's do J- Daniel Johnson's comment real quick that he had here. So. Um, I asked about how people were feeling about the game, and he said the Packers going into ultra-prevent like usual worries me a little. I'm encouraged by the run game and Christian Michael reaching a top speed of 19.29 miles per hour on the touchdown run. I, I saw that in red zone. I think it was like top three of nice. e- either last week or this season. And he liked the fortitude of Rodgers by throwing a bomb on 3rd and 11. He likes the playoff chances if they beat Minnesota, then no matter what, Week 17 is winner-take-all. It looks like the wild card's out of the question because they would need collapses from the Bucks and Redskins. Uh, could you please talk about the literal mascot league idea, the Odell Beckham catch, and the NFL having four out of five uh, games on four out of five days over the holidays. Is it too much? Um, so I'll let you talk about that one first. We already talked about whether we'd like it on Christmas. Is four out of five days too much, or are you just going to ignore the stuff you don't want to watch? Yeah, I, th- I think you just got to ignore it. I I can't commit to four straight days over the holidays, and I hope not a whole lot of like guys or females out there that have family stuff are going to do that. <laughs> so it's too much. I'm just going to have to avoid some of it, though. I'm not going to commit to all of it. Yeah, there's a reasonably good chance that I'm going to be watching a whole heck of a lot of it. But, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I'll just kind of tune out of the stuff you don't want to watch. Did you see Odell Beckham? Uh, they called a catch that clearly bounced off the ground, and then he trapped behind his, like, feet or something? I did see that. I, I guess, I mean, calls get missed. That obviously was a pretty egregious one, but they didn't get challenged. It I guess it didn't cost the cost them anything so i whatever i guess i'd heard a lot about it today but i i I don't know it happens and uh jim caldwell said he would not have challenged it because it was only four yards so he comes from a different school of thought than uh, doug peterson who challenged for two yards earlier this year (laughs) that's right um and the last thing so last week we talked about who would win if uh you had to feel the team of the literal mascots and we had some fun with that and that carried on in the facebook page and so a lot of different uh, things came on here, and uh, Daniel Johnson actually came up with divisions, which uh, I helped name later, and it was kind of fun. So in one division we have, I called it the Big Cats division, Bengals, Lions, Panthers, Jags. Uh, then we have Division 2, I called it the Maritime division, Vikings, Raiders, Buccaneers, and Dolphins. Uh, then we have the Big Game division, or I called it, I think, the Megafauna division for science nerds. It's the Rams, Bears, Colts, and Broncos. Uh, then the blue-collar division is Steelers, Niners, Patriots, Packers. In the supernatural division, we got Saints, Giants, Titans, Chargers. In the frontier division, we got Cowboys, Texans, Redskins, and Chiefs. In the Warbirds division, we got Ravens, Falcons, Eagles, Seahawks. And in the they-don't-fit-anywhere-else division, we got poor Cardinals taking on Jets, a bunch of guys named Brown, and a bunch of guys named Bill. Uh, so I thought that was kind of fun. Um, I thought... Uh, that the Packers would have a chance in that division, but then once they had to play teams from that are animals or have superpowers, uh, they'd be in real trouble. This sounds like like one of the greatest video game idea inventions of all time. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, not only like a football setting, you could do it in like a war setting too. I think we should definitely patent this and just go for it. How the hell was that not on N sixty four? Like, yeah. what that seems like hand in hand with NFL Blitz or a cheat code for NFL Blitz. Yeah, that's a good one. You shouldn't have said anything because we could have used that. They're going to steal it from us now. Better than two NFL streets, that's for sure. Yeah. 
All right, real quick before we wrap up, uh, there was one kind of mini crossfire that I wanted to ask you. Um, it's not even that. It's just a it's a football topic, but it's a uh, it's in college. So Christian McCaffrey announced today that he is going to be skipping the Sun Bowl to focus on the NFL draft. This is just days after Leonard Fournette announced the same that he does not intend uh, and informed his coach. T- that he was not going to play in their bowl game. And so now you have two of the bigger names not participating in the bowl game. Um, is there any concern of a slippery slope happening here where a lot of stars are sitting out of games that are not in the playoff? Oh, for sure, I think. I, I mean, what you see with two of the biggest stars right now, and that's the kind of stuff that always rubs off. I mean, it's kind of the thing in the NBA that you saw all of a sudden, you know, some players were getting a rest here and there. Now everybody rests like every other game. I, yeah. You get these guys. It's got to be a hard decision to sit out on your teammates. And you like to think is, you know, I, I wouldn't do that as a football player. But when you've got millions on the line and we've seen players get hurt in these bowl games, I, it's almost a hard decision to not do that I, for your whole career and your future to risk that at all, even if it's such a small percentage. I guess it makes sense to me. I agree with it uh, begrudgingly because I'm a big fan of the Bulls. I think they're a lot of fun, and um, it's your last chance to see a lot of these teams, and the playoff is so small that you want to see some of these teams play a game against an unfamiliar opponent. I don't have a huge issue with it. However, I'm not that concerned about maybe a slippery slope of guys sitting out of bowl games because I, I think a bunch will do it, but not all will do it. To me, you wonder... If it goes even further that if you're Christian McCaffrey and you start three and three in conference, why the hell are you playing in November if it's so big chance that you're going to get injured and ruin your NFL career? Well, and we saw that guy from Oklahoma do that. I mean, he had some injury issues, but he just stopped reporting to the team and his, his coordinator called him out, I think, for, for leaving his teammates. I agree. I think, well, it could keep creeping and creeping back, and I think there's a certain point you can't sit out a whole year, and at some point I think it, it started, sort of shows as a character issue maybe when they're you know looking at you for the draft if you're sitting out on your teammates for like most of the year. But I, I think if you miss one game, that's not going to affect much. I think a lot of people understand. I think, well, I agree. The rest of the bowl games might kind of stink when they, you're going to miss all their best players going forward. Yeah, I hope they do something before it gets too out of control because – you, I, I guess I could just see, especially if you're like at a Mac school, once you've proven yourself as an NFL prospect, why the hell are you playing at all in your senior right. year or your junior year? The, those games don't mean anything. I mean, you'd have to go undefeated four years in a row to get a chance to go to the playoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boise State lost like six games in a decade and couldn't get to, to a championship game. So uh, you just wonder, and then, you know, how... how I, I don't think it's going to get out of control at the pro level, but I, I don't want to see a bunch of Gabe Wilkinses and uh, Darren Sharpers who are sitting out of the Super Bowl and playoff games, respectively, because they're going into a contract year. Right. So, I don't know. It, you, you hear so much about that with practice and preseason and all that stuff, and it's just like it's like it never occurred to anybody until this year that you could get hurt playing football. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't happen all the time, but I, I could understand it. If you haven't bet, gotten that paycheck yet, I totally get it, but right. um, yikes. All right, so uh, this show's gone pretty long, but I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, really, all we could have asked for four weeks ago was that the Packers somehow found a way to get back into it, and now with two games to go, they control their own destiny, and that's just remarkable. And so let's enjoy this on a rare Christmas Eve game, and... Uh, 
before that, if you guys want to interact with the show, you can do so on uh, the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can uh, go to our website, greengoldforever.podbead.com. That's the number four. Uh, Green Gold Forever on Twitter uh, to uh, interact with us during the games and get into different conversations. Also, if you want to uh, listen to the show on the go, you can download the iTunes app and follow Green and Gold Forever. Um, I would recommend downloading the Podbean app and uh, following Green and Gold Forever on there because it gives you complete uh, access to our full archives um, and uh, interact with us on there. And so, Matt, can you believe 2016 is almost over and Christmas will be over at this time next week? I can't. It doesn't. It doesn't seem real yet. It's like it barely feels Christmas. We're finally getting the snowstorms and stuff, but I guess maybe that probably comes with getting older. As you just don't get into the Christmas like two months ahead of time anymore. It's just so busy. It just doesn't feel like it's Christmas in a few days. And I actually feel the opposite this year. I feel as Christmassy as I've felt in a long time. Just I think it's maybe us buying a house this fall and yeah. you know having a little bit of a different experience rather than a place you're renting or whatnot. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, and uh, we'll see you this weekend, and uh, hopefully everybody has a safe and happy holiday season. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Christ- yeah. What's Christmas? Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, uh, Merry and happy, whatever you're celebrating Festivus. Uh, have a great and uh, happy season, and hopefully we'll talk to you with a big, big showdown coming up in Week 17 uh, after a win over the Minnesota Vikings on Christmas Eve. So take care, everyone.